Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, one of the things I talk about in my book is a woman named Carol Dweck, who's a Stanford professor um, and psychologist who wrote a book called Mindset. And, um, and she describes there the difference between um, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset is concerned about success, success, success. A growth mindset is concerned about learning, learning, learning. You know, the difference being, you know, instead of being the, instead of being the smartest person in the room, be the, you know, the one with all the answers, be the best learner in the room, the one who's seeking all the answers. And, you know, the, the, the fixed mindset doesn't lead to personal growth at all, right? It just means you always have to win. And, it, and, and when you lose and when you get beaten down, you take it personally into your ego and you're totally engaged in that whole game. But when you're focused on learning and being open, that leads you, that, that leads you to grow. How you day? How you day? That was Ben Feather. And we are talking about how to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset in today's episode. Ben Feather is the author of the book called Take Off Your Shoes, and we dive into his story as a senior level executive who decided to make some bold, audacious, and potentially career-ending decisions that involved him traveling with his family to Bali on an eight-month sabbatical. Now, the lessons and interesting insights he, he learned about himself is what he dives into in this episode and in the book. You know, we talk about the best ways to go through your self-discovery as well as your self-rediscovery, his heartfelt attempt to find in personal fulfillment and rebuilding his family relationships before he lost them forever is, uh, is one that I, I'm sure is going to tug at some, um, some heartstrings, especially if you read the book. My hope is that you gain a fresh perspective on your life as well as your purpose as you listen to this episode. Check it out. And I love you all. Take care of yourself. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's episode is with Ben Feather. Now, Ben is the president of International Partnerships for the U.S. at Tencent. It's the, that's a Chinese internet tie-in. And it was for, he was formerly the CEO of Take-Two Interactive, you know, the publisher of the Smash video game hits such as Red Dead Redemption, Grand Theft Auto, NBA 2K, he serves on boards of directors of public and private companies in the media and entertainment industries and is a director of Save a Child's Heart, a nonprofit that works globally to rescue children with congenital heart defects. He's also a Harvard Business School graduate, so we're going to be talking a lot about that. He lives in the same city I live in, New York City, and we're going to be talking about his book, Take Off Your Shoes, One Man's Journey from the Boardroom to Bali and Back. We're going to be talking a lot about the life lessons that he's learned as he's sort of rediscovered himself and how we all can apply that to ourselves. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, Tyler. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. 
The pleasure is mine. Yeah, as I was reading your bio there, I'm obviously it's clear that you've had an interesting life. You know what? You know you've what it's in education with HBS or what it's you. You know now you know heading the partnership division of the um, you know uh, Tencent and your previous experience. But so I'm curious though, how did you even get started? Did you always know that you were destined for executive? membership executive leadership or, or board membership or did you sort of stumble your way into there through several life experiences no no I, my my background is it's very hard to put a line through it and i've somehow I've always wondered why i can't be more mainstream because i don't make look like it now but for a long time it was a lot of bit of zigging and zagging i think that's probably true for most careers you know people have careers when you look in the rearview mirror but mm. you know when you're actually experiencing it's just a series of jobs um, and um, uh, and everybody has zigs and zags, no matter how polished and manicured their careers really look. Mm-hmm. I, gar- I guarantee you, everybody has setbacks, and everybody has sideways steps, and um, that's just part of um, living life in the real world. Um, you know, for me, I started off actually not without any interest at all in business. I was a graduate student in history of all things, hmm. um, and interested in international affairs. And I started, my first job was working for the World Bank doing, um, you know, development in Kenya and Malawi. And, um, you know, as the World Bank, they sort of said, look, if you want a career here, you're going to need a PhD in economics. And I was like, I really have no interest in that. So, and I probably wouldn't be very good at it either. So um, I decided to go to business school and I applied to a bunch of places. I was lucky enough to get into Harvard. And and Harvard is the kind of place, you know, it's just in my reunion, the dean sort of said, you know, this is an institution that has ability to change people's lives. And I thought about my own life and I thought how right he was, you know, whatever success I've had in business, whatever opportunities I've had in business, I credit that school with a lot of it, or at least get get, get me on the right track. Um, and um, uh, so that's kind of, that was kind of my first kind of real break in my career, frankly. And when I graduated, I still didn't know what I wanted to do as one of those kids who, you know, couldn't get a job in banking or consulting, which is all the rage when I was graduating. And kind of like May was gra- May graduation was rolling around. I still didn't have a job. And um, but I remember kind of seeking advice from business school students and I from business school professors. And I got um, two pieces of advice that I took to heart um, that I share today with you know everybody who asks me advice, and I'll share with your listeners too. Um, for me, anyway, um, one was. Um, I said, look, I want to be an entrepreneur. They said, if you want to be an entrepreneur, um, don't do it too early. Right? I know all the rage today is to be getting startups, and I respect that. When I was a graduate student, it was don't do it too early. Go make your mistakes off of somebody else's back. Go learn a little bit um, before you set out on your own because there's lots of lessons to learn. And you'll probably be more successful if you pace yourself rather than just diving right in, which I thought was good advice. Um, the other piece of advice that I got was that um, – look, the early years in somebody's career are really important learning years in the sense that they form your work habits. And if you go to a place that has kind of low standards, you'll, your habits will be kind of low standard habits. So it almost doesn't matter what you do in your first stages in your career, but go to a place that has really high standards because from there, there's only, you can only go down. If you go start low, you can't, it's really hard to climb. 100%. But if you, but if you start high, chances are you won't go down. And if you do, you know you can't. You know you'll, you'll be starting from a good place. Um, and so that all led me to um, seeking an opportunity that ha- that you know I happened to kind of uh, bump into, which was 
um, working for one of the best entrepreneurs of my day, which was Rupert Murdoch, in an area that I cared about, which is media and entertainment. And um, and I thought it fit the criteria. It's kind of really high standards. I mean, it's really um, it's an organization that really doesn't have a lot of executives, very flat structure, um, and hires kind of really top quality people. So that was great. And I learned I learned a lot from doing that. I was there for a number of years, and then I decided it was time to be an entrepreneur, and I did my own thing. Um, started did had had my own startup before it was sexy to do a startup. Built that business and sold it, and you know eventually. You know, bore your listeners with the career progression, but that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, that's fascinating to me, just because you, you talked about a lot of things that I that I relate to, and I'm you know clearly in the millennial generation, and a lot of what I've done in terms of sort of forging my way into the career was I I just essentially I took the first job that would give me an offer out of college because I had applied to over eighty five jobs and they all said no, and. And I, I was really frustrated because I was the, you know, the kid that was going to do international relations like you did. My dad was a diplomat and I wanted to, um, I've always wanted to do that. You know, growing up in two military dictatorships, my pr- primary interest has always been out to solve world's global problems, especially on the cultural competency level. Yeah. And when I had those 85 plus job rejections, um, I just remember feeling defeated, you know, cause I, I really was trying, you know, I had all the, the uh, personal experiences, but none of those things, uh, could not be, none of those things could be translated at least in the minds of the uh, people hiring. So I felt defeated, and I took the job, the gaming offer, because I needed to stay here on an H-1B visa. But then, after a near-death experience and me sort of just taking a risk, I just moved to the city, New York City, from Virginia, and then I started, you know, the podcast, and uh, mm. and I started sharing these stories, and I started going around making New York City my campus, and and, and there were a lot of failures in there. You know, I got fired twice. I was broke multiple times. But the consistency of the podcast and me building a platform and consistently sharing my story ultimately was what launched the career. Now, looking back, it's, it's easier to connect the dots. But back then, it, it just kept, it kept seeming like I was running into one wall after another. And the only thing that was able to, to get me back up was the idea that I, I had faith in the long-term vision that this will yeah. eventually pay off. Now, listen to your story. I'm hearing something interesting in the sense that, you know, you did all these things and you eventually found your way towards entrepreneurship. You know, people told you, said, hey, get all those failures out first initially. I, I, I just want to know how you cultivate that mindset, because that's the number one question I get asked all, all the time, because people always email me and they say, it's difficult. You know, I have this bill. I have that. And, and I, I definitely relate to that because that's happened to me. But what type of mindset do you have to train yourself to have in order to just push through to be able to believe in yourself and that and build a business well first of all what i want to say is um or reiterate is, is that that story i think every person has even successful people mm-hmm. that um it's never a straight line to success there's always kind of zigs and zags and um, and setbacks and some of them some very serious setbacks um and they say you know the difference between you know, good and great when it comes to entrepreneurship is not kind of who succeeds or fails, but who can pick themselves up after they fail Correct. Um, and, uh, and keep going at it again. I don't think you need to be kind of like, you know, one of those punching clowns where you just kind of keep popping right <laughs> up again, popping right up, you know? Um, yeah. And it's hard if you're getting punched all the time. Right. Um, but I do think um, that, you know, late, you know, later in my career, I've come to the realization that by taking a longer term view of whatever topic you're talking about enables you to the flexibility both to do more and also to withstand the ups and downs. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and taking a long-term view can mean different things depending on what you're talking about. You know, people talk about, you know, owning stocks for the long term and, you know, Warren Buffett would say, you know, own stocks for the long term and what do you, and, you know, if you think about what that means, it's like, yeah, there'll be, there'll be bumps along the road, maybe a roller coaster, there'll be ups and downs. But if you take the long-term view, if you kind of look back 20 years, you know, you did all right. If you kind of, if you just avoided looking at the stock market every single day, you'll do much better than, um, than if you did. And I think similar things happen in people's careers. They're, they're always ups and downs. But if you take the long-term view um, and know where you want to get to more or less, you're okay. You know, they say that a flight from New York to Hawaii needs to course correct probably a million times between here and there, right? They're always veering off course. But as long as you know where you're going, you can um, correct your course along the way. And not everybody knows where they want to be long-term, and it's hard to do, especially when you're a millennial, to kind of think 20 years out because, you know, all you can focus on is five years at the most. Um, I do think having a focal point um, that even if it's not clear in your mind, but having a general idea of what you're trying to accomplish, your intention of what you're trying to accomplish, that informs you. And even if you get punched down and even if you suffer failures and setbacks, you know what you're trying to get to, and you kind of deal with it a little bit better. Yeah. I don't mean to say I don't mean to say it's easy, but I'm I'm ans- I'm asking. Sorry, I'm answering your direct question of like, what kind of mindset do you need? And I think the most helpful mindset for that specific issue is um, is uh, kind of a long term view. The other thing I'll say is just kind of one more one more minute. I mean, interrupt me at any time if I'm going on. No, too no, you can do it. This is perfect. But, um, you know, one of the things I talk about in my book is a woman named Carol Dweck, who's a Stanford professor um, and psychologist who wrote a book called Mindset. And um, and she describes there the difference between um, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset is concerned about success, success, success. A growth mindset is concerned about learning, learning, learning. You know, the difference being, you know, instead of being the, instead of being the smartest person in the room, be the, you know, the one with all the answers, be the best learner in the room, the one who's seeking all the answers. And, you know, the, the, the fixed mindset doesn't lead to personal growth at all, right? It just means you always have to win. And, it, and, and when you lose and when you get beaten down, you take it personally into your ego and you're totally engaged in that whole game. But when you're focused on learning and being open, that leads you, that, that leads you to grow. And that's kind of a whole other um, uh, set of mindsets that you're – uh, listeners can um, can focus on, which is um, focus on development, focus on growth, focus on experience, focus on being curious about things, as opposed to you know how much money am I making this year? Can I pay my bills? I mean, look, don't get me wrong. You know, when you're under financial pressure and you can't pay your bills, it's an enormous amount of stress. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, beyond kind of you know food security and shelter security, we're lucky enough in this country, most of us, to um, be able to change our minds about how we how we go about this world and and not have to worry about our physical security. Not to say that people in this country don't worry about physical security, many people do. Um, but a lot of people are have, have luxury not to have to deal with that and yet they torture themselves in their own mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm and if I'm peeling from what you said, it's you know, it really comes down to really understanding your reason for why you do what you do. I mean what's what's your why behind your why that's what you have to be really intimate with. And I love the fixed growth mindset part. I, I, I often say fixed mind, people with fixed mindset seek to validate themselves while people with growth mindset seek to 
uh, improve themselves. And it's that subtle shift in, in, in mindset that really uh, allows you to have a simultaneous view of the long game as well as the short game. You know, you, you short game to get you to that type of person that can um, ultimately achieve that, that long term. And you make, a, and you make, you make a good point because, you know, a lot of the shifts we're talking about, shifts in mindset, are ultimately very subtle. Yeah. They're very, very subtle. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you brought up your book. Let's talk about your book. You said, uh, you know, you have several, you have a story there. And I imagine that it's full of more stories. So talk, uh, talk to us about Take Off Your Shoes. Why did you write Take Off Your Shoes and what is it about? Um, so Take Off Your Shoes, it's great. People ask me all the time what Take Off Your Shoes is about. And, you know, in a way, it's about some, you know, sorry, let me take a step back. You know, what Take Off Your Shoes ultimately is about is personal transformation, personal transitions, in many ways, my personal transition moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Mm. Now, now you sort of say, okay, but if that's a subtle transition, how could you write a whole book on it? But, um, but I did because um, the book follows my journey from um, being CEO of a public video game company and stepping down from that because I realized I was becoming the father and husband that I never intended to be. And I had this moment of, Hey, if I don't make a choice, the choice is going to be made for me. And I don't think I'm going to like what the end of that road looks like. And so, um, you know, there, uh, you know, I made a choice from kind of being on kind of the top of the heap, right? You're kind of this is what everybody wants, CEO, big company, but it's not what everybody wants, but it's what I want. And, um, and I realized kind of the price being paid for all of that in terms of, you know, personal costs and family costs. And so I decided to step down and um, pull my four kids out of school in New York, and we all decamped to Bali, Indonesia, where um, we experienced a whole different way of being. Um, and the book is about my personal exploration about um, being in this world in a very different way than I had been um, in the um, had been living. And so it follows kind of you know the protagonist, which is me, right. Um, from being a hard-driving, aggressive, um, succeed-at-almost-any-cost kind of executive to by the end of the book, you know, sitting on a meditation cushion and, uh, you know, doing down-dog at a yoga mat. And, um, and that transition to me was, um, to me was really uh, enjoyable work, but, but actual work. And the people who've read the book have commented that, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, it's full of insight and full of perspective. Um, from a place you'd never 
um, expected. You know, one of the objections people have in my book, frankly, is, you know, sure, Mr. One Percenter, how do you, you know, how can I relate to you? And so the promise of the book is if you just invest in a few chapters, you'll see, um, hopefully, that how my story could actually relate to your story, too. And the struggles that I have is struggles that we all have, especially for um, people who are kind of late 30s, early 40s, and begin to ask questions about, you know, how do we want to spend our time on this planet? Right, right. And, um, and so that's the so the, so what is it about? It's about that. Um, and there are lots of reasons I wrote the book, you know. I wrote it because I wanted my children to understand what was going through my mind. And when children are in their, are not children anymore, but young adults in their 20s and 30s, they begin to ask questions about their parents. And I wanted them to, you know, at least have my perspective on <laughs> what, what, what all that was about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also think that, you know, you know my, one, of my, one of my kids sort of said, you should write a book because people will learn from it. And I'm skeptical about authors who kind of, you know, say I'm writing for other people, but I just feel like a lot of people asked me to write this book because they thought I learned a lot and I could teach a lot. No, no. I mean, and, you know, and I was able to get the book and, and you can definitely see that there's a, you know, personal, professional and, and motivational bent to it. I'm curious about these, uh, these elements of your, of your life. That part where you, you reach the top of the mountain seemingly, like to anyone, maybe to a lot of people on the outside, CEO, of a great company, they're like, this man's made it. But you said you discovered something about yourself that you didn't like. You were becoming someone maybe you didn't recognize that could potentially have harmed your um, relationship with family and kids. So what type of person was that person that you saw in the mirror? Well, I don't, I don't know if it was the person in the mirror as much as, you know, how I was spending my time and who I was spending my time with, mm. right? So there's, you know, there's one scene in the book, which I remember vividly, where I come home from work one day and my kid who was, um, I guess in eighth grade was barricaded inside his room doing his homework. He was a serious student. I cracked the door open and I said, Hey, how you doing? And he just kind of grunts at me. And then, uh, later on that evening we go to dinner and he just grunts some more. And I had this realization that he's about to go into this competitive high school and he's just going to sequester himself in his room daily and I'm not going to get to know him. And then he's going to go off to college. And I'm really not going to get to know him. And at the same time, my job requires me to fly around the world all the time. And, um, and before you know it, he's gone. And the moment will have passed. And, you know, this old expression, are you working to live or you're living to work? And I had to make a decision about, you know, what is my intention here? What do I want, what do I want out of, um, you know, for my family and for myself? And it wasn't like looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I don't like who I've become. Um, it was more like looking at my family and sort of saying, am, am, you know, am I going to be the dad that the kids talk about? Yeah, he's super successful, but I have no relationship with him. And I didn't want to be that person. And I was willing to sacrifice some success in order to uh, change all that. And it's not like, you know, it's not like you can, you can, true, you, it's possible that I could have chosen to be a CEO in a different way. Um, but it's just not the way I was operating. And I was kind of all in all the time. And I didn't see a different way of being a CEO. No, no, no. If I, if I were to do the job again, I probably would do it a little bit differently. But here we are. Yeah, no, you learn about, I mean, now you, and now you, you know, you work in another, in a Titan. So, um, I'll be, I guess it's Chinese this time, not American, but, right. uh, still, you know, and you, you had in partnerships. Curious about the elements of, of, health 
and mindset that you learn about yourself. You say you start to see things differently through the practices of art and yoga. So how did that broaden your view? Um, you know, a lot of this is exploration about, um, uh, you know, not only mindfulness, but brain plasticity and how you want to behave and think in this world, right? So a lot of this, you know, there's a lot of books written about happiness, and this, this isn't a happiness book, but, but there is a little bit about, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish through meditation, which is a deliberate change of thought patterns. And, you know, can we force ourselves to think in certain ways? And from my perspective, it was, you know, can we not focus on greed and fear and anxiety and all the things that drive kind of executives? And can we focus on something? Can I focus my thoughts on something more positive? Can I change the way I am in this world? And part of this is this exploration of how you'll go about affecting that. And for me, it was kind of really instructive. And that was, so one of the things I did was uh, uh, meditate. The other exploration was really focusing on not the future or the past, but focusing on the very present, right? So when I got to Bali, the head of the school there asked me if I wanted to be on the board. One or two entrepreneurs asked me if I would, men asked me if I would mentor them. And I kind of paused for a second. I actually did mentor an entrepreneur and I was there, but for the most part, I uh, sort of said, look, I, you know, I'm not going to take my sabbatical, then get involved as kind of as, as, as my, my impulse would be, sure, you know, let me get involved. But then, you know, all I will have done was change location. And so there was a lot of focus on, look, I need to be with my family, I need to be present, and I need to kind of be solid. And there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of that philosophy and the philosophy of yoga. Uh, to me, yoga is not a workout. It's really just, it's a, it's a way of being and it's a philosophy. And then finally, I also took up, I just, you know, apropos brain plasticity, I kind of, uh, uh, while I'm Bali, I'm just reading this book about how even in midlife and later in life, you know, we can teach ourselves new skills and, um, and there's, you know, apropos of a growth mindset, can, you're all, you can always be learning. And I came across a book who, that sort of said, look, any, you know, I can teach you how to draw. I was like, well, I can't. I have no artistic talent whatsoever. And so um, let me try it. Let me see if I can do it. Can this person actually teach me how to draw? And mm -hmm. so drawing turned. So I kind of I just started off as a, as a brain experiment, my own little brain experiment, and see what I can do. And so I actually took a baseline of my drawing skills before I started. And that became my activity in Bali. I kind of I joined an artist group and I started with pencil and paper and then moved to charcoal. And like, actually, when I came back to New York, I moved to oil paintings. And today, I'm, you know, I'm a reasonable oil painter and, you know, starting from ground zero. Wow. It just started as an experiment, but I just, I, I ended up really loving it, really, really loving it. I still do love it. Okay. Okay. No, this, uh, that's, that's pretty inspiring. And uh, for those uh, just, you know, wondering, and once again, why, why this is an interesting breed, uh, Tom Gloser, the uh, former CEO of Thomson Reuters, once said, said about this book, most hard-charging senior executives have thought of leaving their stressful jobs and bugging out to Bali. Ben Feather had the guts to do it. Even if we can't follow in his footsteps, we can all benefit from these experiences through the compelling story he tells and take off your shoes. So, take off your shoes. Definitely check it out, and the, the link will be in the, in the show notes. But why did you title it Take Off Your Shoes? Oh, it kind of works on, it kind of works on any number of levels. Um, it's really, first of all, you know, the 
um, the way of being in Bali is, you know, when you enter a home or a temple, you take off your shoes. Um, and, you know, any, any place you go in Bali, wherever, you know, whether it's a restaurant or somebody's private home, there's always a pile of shoes hanging out outside because you walk around barefoot everywhere. Um, and there's, it was really lifted from a poem that I cite at the beginning of the book by a poet named David White. He's excellent. Um, and, uh, and that references, um, the biblical story of Moses at the, at the burning bush. And when he, when, when White talks about this poem, he says, you know, he's reading this poem and somebody, uh, comes over to him, an Orthodox Jew comes over to him and sort of says, you know, the Hebrew word in the Bible for take off your shoes, the Hebrew word for remove your shoes is the same word the Bible uses for an animal shedding its skin. And the point that White makes is that sometimes we need to shed our skin in order to find a new ground of being and discovering holy ground. And so for me, there was an element of, you know, there's, there's this kind of spiritual element of Bali, of literal holy ground. But for me, holy ground was, you know, my family and my, um, uh, and my sense of presence in Bali and that you needed to, you know, almost literally remove my leather shoes from, from New York City life and remove them to, you know, really find holy ground with people that I love in a really spiritual and special place like Bali. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. I, I, I'm, su I'm such a sucker for play on words and puns and any of those things. So the literal well, meaning... Well, you wouldn't know if I... Looking, looking at the title, you wouldn't really know it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But when you explained it, I was like, as soon as you said when you... Because I'm from Nigeria. A lot of times in some places where you go... Uh, in Nigeria, you take off your shoes. It's, just, it's a cultural thing in some in some of the tribes we have. And as soon as you started yeah. to say that statement, I was like, "Of course, Dial." Like, <laughs> and then you went on with the other levels. I was like, "This is this is like some inception level of uh, of meaning here." So I appreciate I appreciate right. that. Uh, and no wonder you're an artist, even though you know. But uh, that's just a little humor that I have here. But okay, so then you came back. Why did you come back? Uh. Well, you know, I mean, you can't escape forever. Um, um, <laughs> some people do. Um, some people are like, I'm done. Some people do. I'm never coming back. Well, look, the truth is I did have, you know, evil thoughts about maybe not, not staying forever, but at least staying longer in Bali. Um, but there was my son who was interested in going to a good school, kind of sort of said, look, I, I'd like to stay also, but I know I need to go back. I'm not. Um, as exciting as the education is here, I, you know, I feel like if I want to go to a good school, i got to get an education in New York. And... Um, and that kind of did it for us. And then for me also, you know, I had business partners back in New York, and I think, you know, they gave me some period of time, but at some point I'd, I'd test their patience. And I wasn't interested in doing that. I was happy for the time that I had. I think it's, um, it's a gift that I gave myself and I gave my family. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, every, everything in moderation, you got to, you know, I, when I got back, I mean, the truth is I told people, you know, my only read about any of this is that I didn't, stay longer um but uh yeah you're right some people do escape forever and but that's not what i was trying to accomplish that's not what you're trying to do and you you definitely yeah. um <laughs> the interesting thing with, with your career is that you um you just you, you needed that brief reset and then you've, you've come back and now you're an, you're an executive again senior executive and you're applying those things you've learned well, i think it's a great metaphor for life when it's, it's it is similar to the entrepreneurship thing. You fall up, you get back up, and right. the difference between many people is who are the people that are deciding to take what they learned and turn that into a teachable moment, and that, that appears to be what you've done with your career.
Um, and it's what I'm trying to do with the book. Right. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, before, I mean, so we've, we've covered a lot, a lot of things here. Um, is there anything that you, you feel like, you know, especially as a father for my generation, as you're thinking of, of us with the digitalization and globalization, is there anything you can think would be a good soft skill that we can work on right now in terms of uh, trying to really make an impact with our work? Um, you know, there are lots, but I think the one we focus on today is uh, mindset. And I think that's a, a critical one. It's one that I talk to my kids about all the time. And it's really important to check yourself, right? Everybody in this culture is constantly comparing themselves with other people. They're kind of, they're constantly trying to succeed. They're trying to get ahead. And it's worth every now and then pausing, stepping back from all that for a second and um, sort of saying, is this the way I want to be? Is this really the way I want to go thinking about this? Just even that, that micro moment of just catching yourself, that's what mindfulness is about. That micro moment of catching yourself is, um, you know, there's a lot of freedom and liberty in that. And so I've listened to that voice and you hear that sort of hear yourself, you know, walking down the street and comparing yourself and saying, why am I more successful? Why am I like that guy? Just pause for a second and sort of like, mm, is this really doing me? Is this really serving, serving me in the way that I want to be? And just all it takes is a micro moment and a breath. Take a breath in and then kind of center yourself and just, you know, picture yourself, take off your shoes, picture yourself on holy ground and you're, it's your own holy ground. And, um, and recognize, you know, what your purpose is, what your intention is. We all have gifts to offer to the world. And remember that every one of them, every one of us has a gift to offer. And let's focus on that as opposed to comparing ourselves to other people. Switch your mindset from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Mm. Mindset's key. Understanding what it is that you're passionate about also helps surrounding yourself in the right environment. And, um, you know, that, that would be a good recipe for success. And even if you don't experience immediate success, it's going to ultimately lead to, to um, a, mo- a moment of a feeling of fulfillment because you're doing what's authentically you and you're working towards that purpose regardless of how many times you fall down. Okay. Amen to that. Love it. Love it. Well, as, as we come to a close here, I, I want to ask, uh, you know, my, the final question I always ask all my guests, which is my measure statement, use your difference to make a difference. How do you, Ben Feather, uh, use your difference to make a difference? How do I use my different? Um, <laughs> yeah, how do you use your difference to make a difference? <laughs> uh, well, look, I mean, um, the the book that I wrote is kind of a big experiment in that, right? It's kind of is is um, you know something I've never done before, and I do think I have a story to tell, and I do think um, people can learn from it. And it, because you know, it's not one on one; it's one to many. You know, there are a lot of people that can learn. Um, from my experience, I hope, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, people ask me all the time, like, what's the lesson from your book? And the truth is, I tell everybody, look, I just tell my story. You know, you draw the lesson you want to draw from it. But I do think there are lessons to draw. I don't want to draw them for your, your listeners. Um, I think everybody brings their own life experiences to, you know, reading a book. Um, but whether it's inspirational, aspirational, or motivational, I think there's lots to, lots to learn. Awesome. 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 All right, definitely. I mean, it sounds like you're using your story to, uh, to, to, you know, to really help people, and you're doing that in teachable ways. You're doing that with your book. You're doing that as an executive, you're doing that as a father, as well as a, as a husband. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really do appreciate you. Where can we find out more about your work, and how can we uh, get your book? Uh, books available wherever you buy books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, um, you know, independent bookstores. And um, uh, there's a website, benfetterauthor.com. Um, mm-hmm. which you can also, but there are also websites on the various bookstore sites. Perfect. Book is take off. Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. But, sir, thank you so much for coming on the show and letting us know about your book and your life and, and how we can uh, go from a fixed to growth mindset. Really, really appreciate yeah. the time. Great. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.